with young people in construction, I think that they, in, in construction in general, we, we tend to pigeonhole people and then throw stuff on top of them. But um, don't don't be afraid. You know, a lot of the people that do what I do just happen to be the techie person in what they do. Um, so don't be afraid to show that off. If you're a project engineer who loves to dabble in, in technology, you know, there are probably some opportunities within your within your company to, to show off what could be possible if they put somebody in charge of technology. Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. And today, my co-host is Seth Heckman, also of Isaiah Industries. Our goal here at Construction Disruption is to provide timely and forward-looking information regarding the construction world. As part of that, we look at new innovations as well as trends and practices, building materials, the labor market. Market, even leadership. Basically, if there's something out there that we think is going to continue to impact uh, our industry, we go out and find an expert to spotlight on the show and have a conversation with them. And so that's where it goes. Um, Seth, a couple weeks ago, uh, you and I were involved in wrapping up something we had talked a little about a little bit here on the podcast, which was our Metal Roofing Summit, which is an educational conference uh, we hold for contractors, primarily focusing on home improvement and remodeling contractors. Uh, We held it a couple weeks ago in Dayton, Ohio, Um, had a great attendance, probably had uh, all told, I guess, probably about 80 contractors there, plus uh, 30 or so sponsors and speakers. Uh, I'm curious, as you look back on it, uh, what was your favorite part of the conference as far as one of the speakers or something? Yeah, it was a great few days. We, uh, so blessed by the the value of just getting that many people in the room, that many people who are serious about their business in our industry and the networking and sharing of best practices that happens. Um, something we've really tried the last few years with the summit was to put together an agenda that was directly applicable uh, to our attendees as possible. So, you know, these principles of leadership and business systems and management, but in the context of a replacement contracting home improvement company. So, you know, Joe Tallman, uh, longtime Dave Yoho Associates uh, account executive, gave us a great talk on leadership and the uh, leadership best practices, but, you know, rolled that into the context of a turnaround he led of a $40 million home improvement company in Chicago. Uh, So uh, just trying to bridge that gap, bring uh, uh, the content home as best we can for for all of us. Uh, Frank Farmer, business systems, cash uh, management for growth and what that looks like uh, in our industry and business and what exactly you need to plan for. Uh, so not just theories, but uh, brass tax numbers of this is what you need to have in the bank and here's how it's going to be spent over the coming months. So um, just great, great value from the stage. But again, just getting good people uh, who care about their businesses in the same room. So it was a it was a great couple of days. Well, good stuff. And thank you so much. I know that you and other members of your team uh, were responsible for putting it all together and making it run seamlessly. And uh, we had a number of people who commented on how uh, seamless it ran and how successful it was. And I'm glad you brought up Frank, uh, Frank Farmer's presentation, which I know that, you know, there's parts of that and his PowerPoint deck that uh, he'd be glad to, to share with folks. But man, he went through the different types of contractors, um, 
generally based upon size and just nailed them as far as saying, you know, this is kind of the hallmarks of this size of contracting company. Here are their challenges. Here's probably what their profitability is running. Here's probably what they have in the bank. And was basically saying, you know, if you want to get to that next level, you got to do behave like a next level business. And uh, that came down to not only cash management, but uh, culture and uh, how the owner of the company behaves and, and what they do. And just uh, he just nailed it. That was just fantastic information. In fact, we should have him back here sometime. We did have him as a guest once before and be neat to have him back here sometime just to review that information. Absolutely. So today we are looking at how one company in the construction industry is capitalizing on advancements in technology. With us today is Travis Voss. Travis is the leader of innovative technology for Helm Mechanical and Mechanical Incorporated based in Freeport, Illinois. He is also a host of the Construction Dorks podcast, which I love the day. Um, one of the top 50 mechanical contractors in the country, uh, Mechanical Incorporated, offers a full range of mechanical design and construction services. They work with all types of uh, projects, ranging in size, as they say, from $500 million to 50 to over $50 million. And uh, interestingly, Travis, who has been in the news quite a bit back in 2020, was named by Autodesk as one of the top 50 construction influencers. Travis, welcome to Construction Disruption. It's a pleasure to have you as our guest today. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much for asking. Yeah, I'm, I'm known as the corporate stalker. If someone wants information <laughs> on anybody, they come to Todd. I, I Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us today. I'm kind of curious, can you kind of help us understand the distinction perhaps between Mechanical Incorporated and Helm Mechanical or the Helm Group and help me kind of understand what the difference is there? Yeah, uh, so six years ago, I joined um, as the construction technologist, the technology manager, whatever you want my title to be, um, with Mechanical Inc. And at that time, we had Mechanical Inc., we had civil we had heavy we had conmat which is a materials company and we had i'm trying to think industrial which is an industrial design group um, but all were that at that time they were considered sister companies underneath the helm group um, the helm group actually helm started back in uh, the 1940s as a blacktop contractor um, added a mechanical contractor in the 60s um, grew you know, through the years to, to where we are now. And then about two years ago, um, our CEO, Brian Helm, and, and with the work with some of our business development group and stuff, kind of just said that, that well, for one thing, as our footprint gets bigger, um, generic names like civil, mechanical, industrial get harder to trademark or copyright when you move into, or to register as a business when you move into new areas. And then um, it didn't really give, they didn't think it gave us a good scope of what the Helm Group did as a whole, what what we could do um, on a people's projects together. So um, at that point in time, we just rebranded completely as the Helm Group, and then all of those sister companies became divisions within that. So um, Mechanical Inc. and Helm Mechanical are essentially the same thing. We just we just rebranded there. Oh, very interesting. Good. Well, thank, thank you for that clarification. So, you know, Gosh, one of the top 50 mechanical contractors in the country is pretty doggone impressive. Um, 
Tell me a little bit about the scope of construction projects that you normally work with. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think we're pretty typical in, when it comes to a mechanical contractor. You know, we do have a, a fairly large service arm. So, you know, that that's everything from the, you know, the, the half day, the couple hour type projects come in and hit it. Um, we do um, a lot of K through 12 work that, that we call our summer slam work. So you got to get in, you got to get that stuff done really quick just a few weeks um all the way up to you know we've done um we've done really you know probably some of the largest hospitals in the area we've got we just got a large hospital job down in cleveland um data center work so i mean really kind of does run the gamut from from you know like i said the 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 tnm the small repair type work all the way up to um greenfield brownfield out of the ground construction of large data centers large healthcare um kind of and we do we do a fair amount of industrial and process work for for the different you know we've got, we've got a few pharmaceutical companies and chemical manufacturers in the area that and, and food processing that that we have um, i always like to bring this up because for me it is kind of one of the oddball things um, that you maybe wouldn't think a mechanical contractor gets involved in but we do really well with pools um, oh wow so we we have um a swimming pool you know kind of a division with the mechanical that um that it's probably the one part of our company that gets the most traveled because it's not a large concentration of swimming pools in Northern Illinois um, of any, of any size. So, you know, we, if you've ever heard of like the Great Wolf Lodges or the Kalahari resorts sure. and stuff, you know, we've kind of traveled around and we've done a lot of that stuff um, and Olympic size swimming pools kind of all, you know, coast to coast. So I always like to bring that up because I think it's interesting, a little, little different. No, it is. And, and last night my wife was telling me, that doggone pump on our pool isn't working again. And oh, great. Um, <laughs> that my pool's probably a little bit small for me. Maybe. So, maybe. <laughs> so, what kind of um, footprint do you generally cover uh, geographically? Um, yeah, you know, if you if you do kind of take our our service arm into account, we we really kind of run from Kansas City to Chicago, Central Wisconsin, down into um, Kentucky, Tennessee area, and our our new construction is a little bit more compressed. You know, maybe you go a little bit west of Omaha um, and not so far south. But for, again, you know, we we do take out, we've done projects all the way from New Jersey to California. Um, kind of, I think a lot of contractors where you, you either, you follow a customer or uh, you have an opportunity to joint venture partner with, you know, a good peer in a different region. Um, so, yeah, we, we're, we're very heavy in the Midwest. But like I said, the pools and some of the other things kind of take us nationwide. So one of the things that we've talked about a lot here on construction disruption is, generally speaking, the construction industry um, is relatively, we feel, slow to change and a little bit stodgy. And, and you know, I think that's to its detriment. And we're start, starting to see the speed of change uh, really increase, I think, in our industry. But I got to admit, at, at least myself, mechanical contracting and technology development are not normally things I would lump together. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how your position came to be and what made Helm Group progressive enough uh, to create your position. You know, I think that the kind of my origin story is the fact that, you know, we, we, we are a, a union contractor and we belong to the MCAA on the mechanical side. And Brian Helm is, is our president and CEO, Jeff Knopp, 
who's our vice president of operations here in the area I work in, um, we're very heavy in in that organization. And probably eight eight to ten years ago, that organization actually created a technology um, committee within itself. And Brian Helm was the president of that. So eight to ten years ago, he he started to see that there was um, a lot of interest. I think that I think that if you look at the VC and startup world. Uh, probably around that time, they were starting to see that this was probably a, a, a frontier that was worth exploring. Nobody had really kind of poked their nose in there too much. You, you had your you had your big players that have been doing the same thing for 20, 25 years. Um, so this was a place that was ripe for disruption. Um, and seeing that on the horizon, uh, my boss and, and our president kind of said, you know, with our size and, and the way that we want to push and leverage technology, it can't be something that is part of a PM or a VP's job. Like it, it can't be something like, oh, I, I've got this laser scanner sitting on the corner of my desk. I should probably explore that at some point in time. Um, and that's where they came up with the idea of, at that time we called it the technology manager, but just um, somebody who, whose job it was to uh, try to keep their finger on the pulse of what was happening in construction and technology, uh, to work to find partnerships with uh, suppliers and vendors um, to kind of get into, you know, some of those beta rounds and see what sort of the things that we could test out. Um, and, and there's advantages there in being able to guide some of that development so that we don't end up with, you know, it, it, I think a lot of happens is um, somebody gets a really good idea, they go out and develop it and realize it doesn't work for anybody. So uh, we try to partner with some of those companies early on so we can make sure we have tools that are developed that we actually want to use. Uh, so that's kind of how the role came about. Um, and then as the explosion of construction technology started to come, there was an explosion of industry events and everything around that. And um, that's where the public facing part of my, of my role and persona kind of evolved is, um, you know, I'm sure you've discovered it on, on your end too. Once people realize you're willing to get up on stage and speak, they never stop asking. Um, so uh, been doing, I've been doing that for a while too. And, and there's, there's a lot of benefit to that too. I will. People always ask me, how do you convince your higher ups to let you to go to conferences? And it's like, I, I don't see how you don't go. Um, you know, that's kind of, you, you told me, you talked about our, our construction doors podcast. That's kind of how it all started is um, there's always great content. Like you're talking about your sessions at your event, you know, there's always great content in the event, but sometimes there's better content around the bar or the break table um, between sessions or whatever. And, and that's what spawned our, our podcast is during COVID is like we're, we were kind of missing that type of conversation. Like let's, let's get away from the vendors. Let's get away from the, the event personnel and let's really talk about what we're doing and, and get pretty deep about it. Um, so, you know, that, I think that part of my role has been pretty invaluable. Um, it, you, you build a really good network. You connect with a lot of people. Um, so, you know, at any point in time, you know, name the, name the technology or process and I probably hopefully have four or five people I can pick up the phone and call and ask what they're doing related to that and get some insight. Wow. So it's, I mean, what really sounds like is it was driven from the top down in your company that your culture was going to be, we're not just going to react to technology or adapt things when we have to, because everyone else has, Right. um, but we're going to be proactive. So I'm curious, what are some of the, um, construction technology conferences out there? What, what are things people should be thinking about attending or checking out? Yeah. Um, you know, I do, 
I, I have what I would, you know, kind of consider the the big ones that I hit every year. Um, I, I took over Brian's role on the technology committee. So the MCA has a tech event every year. Um, we just also recently combined that with NECA and SMACNA. So it's more of an MEP focused technology conference. There is the, um, uh, there's a company out there called Hanson Wade. They put on um, a bevy of conferences. I was just one for prefabrication. They do one in August for technology um, spe specific to construction. So I usually hit um, I hit, hit both of those. Um, and then you you have your software providers, uh, you know, at our level and the stuff that we do. So you know, we'll, we'll, we we take a look at Trimble because we're, we're Trimble customers, Viewpoint customers. Um, Autodesk University is usually a pretty good one to go hit. Um, it, that one's really interesting because it's you, you you never always understand the true scope of Autodesk. Um, you know, if you're in the design side or whatever, you kind of you realize that there's Revit, and AutoCAD, and and everything else. But you know, they make movies too, so you get to see some of that stuff. That's that's pretty cool. Um, and then um, you know, we have. Um, uh, some resellers and stuff that put on their own event again, kind of more MEP specific. So there's MEP force, and um, and more recently too, there's a there's an organization out there, a not for profit run by Nathan Wood called the Construction Progress Coalition that is focused on you know how how can we all work together um, better? How do we take all of these oddball documents that we've forced into PDFs? How do we start to di truly digitize that and communicate on our projects seamlessly so that um, if I have to, um, you know, submit an RFI about the steel roofing, how do I not have to print that off, write on it, scan it back in, email it, have that uploaded into the GC's, you know, system and then gets to you or whatever. It's like, that should, that should be all a digital process. So um, this year we had, um, um, I forget what he called it, the, the uh, integration summit. Um, so now we, that's where we start taking uh, people from all areas of the industry and kind of put them into working groups uh, centered around a topic and let's say, okay, why can't, why aren't submittals digital, truly digital? Um, why, why can't we talk through these things? And, and you hear from product manufacturers all the way up to owners and start to hopefully solve those problems. Good stuff. I, and thank you for those recommendations and, and thoughts. Well, tell us some of the projects um, that you have been involved with at Helm Group in terms of driving technology forward at your, at your company. Yeah. Um, the, over the last six years or what, so, um, Obviously, there's been even a larger push. We've been doing fabrication for 20 years, 20 plus years, uh, but there's there's more and more of a push. I, th I think we all realize the the crunch that everybody's talking about with the uh, labor shortage. Um, so there's there's more of a drive, and that's not the only drive for prefabrication. There, there's a lot of uh, other benefits that come out of it. Um, but to do it and do it well, you really do have to push in some technology there. Um, so one of the you know I wasn't directly involved in this, but I, I did a large part to support it is the move from AutoCAD to Revit um, from a design standpoint for what we do. Uh, that that was a pretty big change. Um, we've adopted a software called GTP Stratus that takes our models and allows us to consume them and publish them digitally to the fab shop. Um, so we're no longer printing off our spool sheets or printing off PDFs and, and the, having the people in the shop build off of that. They, they have true digital dashboards with live tracking, pull their own measurements, 3D model, um, reference off of that. 
And so that, that's been a major push. It also drives a lot of our machinery and equipment that we have for cutting and some other stuff in there. Uh, hopefully it's starting to push more and more to the, the job site. We've had spots of uh, adoption there. Um, there's just, I mean, as you know, there's tons of other struggles once you try to try to put internet-based technology on certain job sites. Um, we're, we're trying to overcome those. Um, reality capture has been another big one. Um, probably about three years ago, we, we finally bought our own ferro scanner. Um, so we've been doing a lot more uh, laser scanning, processing the scans, figuring out how that works in. And, and again, from a fabrication standpoint, that's that's been invaluable. Uh, to make sure that what we build is actually going to fit in the space and actually going to connect up to the pieces of equipment that are there. Um, you know, that, that used to be, you know, that used to be something where we could fabricate to a spot, but we got to leave ourselves out because we never know what's going to be like when we get in there. Well, now, now with some reality capture technologies, um, we've, we've been able to, to drive in there. Um, and I would say probably the last one, um, I think this is something that a lot of companies have, been forced into, especially with the, the pandemic that we're you know coming out of, is um, truly pushing our project management workflows into some sort of digital platform. Um, we we relied an awful lot on our ERP system and spreadsheets and emails and file folders and everything like that. Um, and through the pandemic, we, it, it made it more difficult to collaborate with our ourselves and with our partners. So. Um, we're still in the, the early stages of pushing out, uh, you know, a, you know, a cloud-based project management solution. But that's been something that we've been pushing for for a while. So as you bring these things into your company, how do you ensure that your team members are going to adapt them? I mean, is that a challenge <laughs> ever? Or Oh, it, it, it is most definitely a challenge. Um, and in the, I hate this answer because it's the answer that you hear all the time in construction, but it depends. Um, when it came to the fabrication software, um, I, I worked with our fabrication manager uh, management. I worked with my management. Um, it was it was a true team effort. It wasn't like I found this thing and I'm going to try to force it down their throat. It was again from from your point earlier with the technology adoption. It came from top down, like. We, we tried a couple different solutions. We beta test on them both for, for a while. And, and it's like, this is what we're going to use. If we're going to push fabrication, this is what we're going to use. End of story. So those adoptions are actually easier. I mean, you still have the stumbling blocks and trying to make it all work, but there, there's no pushback saying, I'm not doing this. That they're, they're, that's just not an option. Um, the same thing with Revit. We just kind of drew a line in the sand and we, we saw that uh, that's where the industry was going. Um, and GCs and designers were going to start requiring us to draw on Revit anyway, so we might as well just rip the Band-Aid off and get to it. Things like uh, a more mobile project management solution, that, that took some time. Um, that was more, some of it was me talking and, and the executives like, yeah, 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 that's a good idea, but we don't want to disrupt our project teams and, and just kind of, you know, that, that was probably... It's probably a three-year journey of me, you know, just bringing it up, bringing it up, and, and then... You kind of hope it's like a little grass fire, like you get a little spark somewhere and it just kind of slowly grows and then all of a sudden the flames rage off. So that that's kind of how it started. We, you know, we just kept kicking the tires in some things. People got a little um, technology fatigue is what we call it. They got a little tired of trying things out and, and, and looking. But then we finally, uh, we had a solution offered by our, our ERP provider um, that got just enough 
interest from some of our project assistants that they started to ask for it on their projects. And that's when that's when it really started to take hold. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine that would really kind of turn the tide. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your your podcast, Construction Dorkcast, Dorkcast, featuring the construction dorks. Um, you've been doing this for a couple of years now, almost. Um, tell us a little bit about it, or, or perhaps I'm curious, do you even have a favorite episode that really stands out in your mind? You know, um, favorites are, are always a tough thing for me, but um, I would say some of my favorite episodes, oh, I should probably elaborate a little bit more on the construction dorks. So um, there's myself. Um, Jeff Sample, who is the Iron Man of IT. Uh, if you haven't heard of him, he's also got a, he's got two other podcasts. He's, he seems to like creating podcasts every other day. Um, but he's on the, the contact crew um, from JB Knowledge. And then he his own company joined um, created the Disjointed podcast. So he's on that one as well. Um, Jonathan Marsh uh, from Steel Tone Consulting. Uh, uh, he used to be a CFO for a, a, a mechanical contractor in Erie, Pennsylvania. And then Trent Lennenbach, who um, is from Indianapolis, works for North Mechanical, uh, does BIM work and is a construction technologist with myself. So um, kind of back to those events, uh, if you've done events, you you kind of find your, you try to meet new people, you try to learn new things, but you um, kind of find yourself around the same circles. Uh, and they, they were, they were for the people in the same circle and like in, in, when the pandemic hit and the event stopped, it was like, you know, we, I miss having these conversations. Um, so we decided to kick off a podcast centered around these sorts of uh, conversations. Um, we're not sponsored. Um, we're not beholden to anybody. So we tell our guests, when you come on, bring a cocktail because we're trying to recreate that um, networking happy hour. So you bring a cocktail. Um, you, you cover up the logo on your shirt and we start to talk about real things, real issues. Um, and we consult, we, we saw, call ourselves the construction dorks because, uh, you know, some of the things we talk about, the, the general audience in construction, just they either don't, they wouldn't understand or they don't care. It's, we, we, we tend to really get into technology to BIM to, you know, process that, that, uh, even processes that just don't make sense to us. And we think that we could, we could solve somehow. So um, we joke that we have to mark ourselves explicit because um, one of our very first guests started to drop the F-bomb and it was a female, <laughs> which I thought was funny as well. So it's like, all right, uh, we're explicit. Um, you know, you're not beholden to anybody. We don't sponsors have to worry about. So, um, and that's kind of what it's just evolved into. So we, we, it's usually three or four of us um, and uh, we'll try to get a guest or two on, uh, we found that the that works pretty well with our format, especially if we can. We've we've even had competitors on, and we 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 kind of say let's let's get on and talk about the problem. You know, you're fine to talk about your product a little bit, but we're not here to sell. We're not here to promote. Sure. So, and that you know, I would say so. Some of my favorite episodes are actually when we've done two two podcasts around Women in Construction Week, what we call the Dorkettes, where um, we kind of introduce the the podcast, we introduce the people and then we fade back and we let five or six women in construction have their own podcast and they just take it and run with it. We've done two of those that are actually quite fantastic. We, I, you know, I, I always joke that um, our highest rated, rated podcasts are the ones that we're not on. Um, so <laughs> that might say something. Um, and then, and then we did do one um, 
I mentioned Stratus before, but they have a competitor called M Suite, and we had two people on, um, one from each company, and we talked uh, we talked a little bit in the MCA about something we call coopetition, where you um, you compete but you cooperate because there's there's betterment for you, there's betterment for the industry, so it, it uh, you know you're not trading secrets, but you know, let's have open discussions about what we're both trying to do and the problems we're trying to solve. Yeah, that's good stuff. And I know we have seen that a lot in our industry as well. Um, you can accomplish a lot more. And well, kudos on your podcast. I've checked out a couple episodes. I'll go out and, and look at more. They do sort of a, uh, I call it the Brady Bunch uh, <laughs> sort of a format where they've got the different squares and uh, on the video and uh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, we have fun with it. Thank you for checking it out. <laughs> well, I'm I'm curious, what sorts of technology do you see emerging right now um, that you think are going to have greater impact uh, over the next three to five years or maybe longer? Um, you know, I think that for for our realm and the, the stuff we do, I do see um, kind of a lot more machining and robotics coming along to help out with the fabrication process. Um, you know, we're not trying to Take, to take away jobs or, or uh, eliminate the need for people on jobs. But the reality is that we just can't get enough to, to replace um, at the rate we need to build. So uh, we have to find ways to augment the people that we have. Um, and I think that traditionally when you look at any sort of, you know, the speeches I've listened to, you look at any sort of innovation that's supposed to eliminate jobs, you know, like the, the ATMs, um, the self-checkouts, um, when you look, two, three years down the road after those are released, there's actually more tellers and more people employed at retail stores. So I think that that's, that trend is going to continue um, in, um, as we do more fabrication, um, accuracy becomes more and more key. So you're going to see a lot more innovation in reality capture. Um, you're going to start seeing photogrammetry being used uh, to generate more accurate point clouds uh, probably as accurate as even a laser scanner might. Um, and they're going to have to solve some of the problems that we have into, with interior positioning. Uh, we were pretty early adopters of the Microsoft HoloLens. We use a couple of products on there to do some visualizations inside of the construction space. Um, and it's, it's really cool. Um, it's a, it is the really shiny object. It has a lot of really good uses. Um, but one of the the limiting factors always is, um, you know, where you place the model in space, as you walk away from that, that point, it starts to drift off of reality. And there's some things that you can do to start to tweak that and whatnot, but uh, it's good for, for visualizations, it's good for concept, um, but, you know, we would love to get it to the day where um, a guy has a, a hard hat on or a set of glasses and he picks up a hanger and he just goes, oh, that hanger goes there. Um, and we're just not quite there yet. So I, I think that they're going to be doing some work on shoring up that internal positioning. Like I said, uh, with the amount of fabrication we want to do and the, the industry needs us to do, accuracy is key. Um, doing all that stuff, all that work offsite and then showing up and realizing it doesn't fit, fit is, a, is a big problem. <clears throat> so I, I see that innovating a lot. Um, I do think that there's probably going to be a push, um, whether it's on design or from design, uh, to get, to change a process a little bit. Um, 
you know, we, we always say that we get a job and we're three months behind as soon as we get that job. And that makes it hard to break things up into uh, modular prefabrication because design is already done. Um, I think that you're going to start seeing more of those uh, contract processes where more parties are involved earlier on in the design so we can truly break up buildings, figure out what is, uh, what is, what is, what we can turn into products, what, and what we can do um, that is repeatable work and what is the specialty stuff um, that, you know, the architects and the engineers want to design pretty buildings and stuff like that. But the, the internal, like 80% of the internal contents are stuff that we could probably turn into more of a repeatable process. So we can drive some of those efficiencies that we would get from a manufacturing mindset. Um, so some of that stuff isn't necessarily um, like a technology based, but a process that needs to change so we can leverage technology. Sure. Makes sense. Uh, I'm curious, you, you didn't really touch on this, but you made me think of something. Uh, do you envision more 3D printing impacting construction down the road, either large scale or, or small scale? I'm not sure. I, I think that I think that there's potential there. Um, I think that with kind of like you said, with the large scale, um, when we're talking about, um, you know, temporary housing or, you know, um, disaster relief. I think that some of those things that they have with like the concrete, concrete printing and some of the brick stuff, I think that would be pretty cool and fast. Um, it, I don't know how much of it's going to have impact in our world of, of large industrial and, and commercial construction. I, we do, I mean, I, I loosely say we use it. We, we use it for, we have, we do have a couple of small PLA or plastic 3d, 3d printers we use for oddball parts and stuff like that. I think that's where we're going to see a lot of it. I, I think there's potential with some of the the metal based stuff that they're doing there because um, more from a an aesthetic standpoint because they can do things with generative design and some of that additive manufacturing with the, the metallic 3D printing that um, you know it, it is pretty cool and I'm not sure you could pull off in reality on your own. That makes sense and and I yeah I, I was curious especially on the small scale if there weren't times especially. Uh, with all the supply chain fun that's going yeah, on right now, right. that uh, goodness, can we just uh, can we print this part? Yeah, and like you said, for on a small scale, and if you you know, like I said, we've had some, we've had some. I, I call them oddball, but you know, you'll have a, a foreman out on site and says, "I need something that just looks like like this L thing thing there," and it's like, okay, well, let's throw it up to our CAD guys, see if we can figure out a sketch, and then we'll print it off and see if we make it work. I think you're going to see see pockets of that because that, you know, there's, it's not the type of item that, you know, could be put a, put in a, a vendor skew because there's, you know, maybe we need four of them. You know, it's just, it's just not something like that, but yeah. Good stuff. I know in manufacturing environment, um, you know, we're seeing more and more use of 3d printing, even for spare parts and equipment parts and things that uh, maybe for older equipment that, you know, no one's machining those parts anymore, more, no one's casting those parts anymore. So, right. So kind of, you know, looking at the bigger industry, we think a, a lot of our audience members um, are younger folks getting their start in the construction industry. And that was really why we started this uh, podcast really was to uh, help younger folks gain greater vision of the industry and kind of see what the next steps were going to be and areas they may want to explore. So um, for folks who may 
be early in their careers. Uh, what advice would you give to them? Who, sh- who should they be paying attention to? What should they be paying attention to? Maybe what would you envision as a good career path for them? From our standpoint, um, you know, I think that a good place to start is, is in BIM. Um, that's probably going to be your largest exposure to both technology and projects across the board. Uh, you know, where we, have, where we are, we have 30 some odd um, detailers and, you know, they work on anything from schools to data centers. Um, they get very heavily involved in the construction process and then, and then, you know, they are the largest consumers of technology in what we do. Um, and I, I think that you should, you should have, um, have young people just kind of keep an eye on the, um, on the VC market. I mean, they're not, I don't expect them to be out there playing in them. Um, but, you know, follow the money. The money is going to kind of tell you what, what the industry thinks is, is new and emerging. I mean, I, I know it was last year, I think Procore IPO, you know, so we know project management technology is something that that's being well sought after. Um, companies like Structure Site and Open Space are uh, raising large amounts of money. So that should tell me that photogrammetry is um, getting a lot of attention, you know, so that, so those kinds of things. Um, and I think that with young people in construction, I think that they, in, in construction in general, we, we tend to pigeonhole people and then throw stuff on top of them, but um, don't, don't be afraid. You know, a lot of the people that do what I do, I, I didn't come from construction, um, but a lot of people that I work with that did come from construction just happen to be the techie person and what they do. Um, so don't be afraid to show that off um, and to speak to your senior leadership and say, you know, I think that this could be a role, you know, like I said, this, this job didn't exist in my company before six years ago. And more and more companies are starting to create positions and even departments uh, doing what I do. Uh, so, you know, don't, if you're a project engineer who, um, loves to dabble in, in technology, you know, there are probably some opportunities within your within your company to, to show off what could be possible if they put somebody in charge of technology. That's some great advice there, actually. I mean, everything you said, even from follow the money, look where, where money is being invested to, uh, as you said, you know, being proactive in your own organization and saying, hey, uh, because that's how these ideas come from or, or start. So that's good stuff. Right. Well, right. thank you again. You know, we're, we are getting close to the end of our time and appreciate uh, all of your time and uh, input today. I have to ask, though, before we close out, if you'd like to participate in something that we do here on Construction Disruption called our Rapid Fire Questions. These are seven questions. They might be a little silly. Some are a little serious. All you got to do is give your quick answer, and our audience needs to understand if Travis agrees to this, he has no idea what we're about to ask. So (laughs) what is it? Are you up to the challenge of rapid fire? Sure. Let's go for it. Awesome. Well, I think it's okay if we alternate questions. Cool. I'll let you go first. All right. Uh, Travis, what is your favorite hobby? Uh, Powerlifting. I'm a... I haven't competed in a while, but I, I do love to power lift. Impressive. Impressive indeed, yes. Uh, well, maybe this falls into the next one. Any hidden talents you have? I would say that um, I was probably right along with my career is I, I have a pretty good knack at figuring things out. I, I've learned how to roast my own coffee. I do power lifting. I do a lot of smoking and stuff, and a lot of it's just trial and error of figuring stuff out. 
Goodness, this sounds a little bit like you. <laughs> not the power not, not lifting. The power lifting. <laughs> All right. Question number three. If you had to eat a crayon, what color would you choose? Um, probably red, I think. It's my favorite color and it sounds fruity. There we go. <laughs> fruity and flavorful. Um, okay. If you could change places with anyone in the world, who would you change places with? I have to say from a technology and innovation standpoint, it's got to be you know, Elon Musk. That's just got to be fun. I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> like just, just give me billions of dollars and let me do whatever I want. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is your favorite breakfast food? Eggs and bacon every day. Eggs and bacon. Question number six. Worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Go into electrical engineering. I think as you know, early on, I thought I had an aptitude for it. I went to school for it, and I think I lasted a semester. It just wasn't, it wasn't the thing for me. <laughs> you know, we've talked about that a lot, um, just about how you got to find the thing that's right for you. Right. And uh, good advice to young folks, that's for sure. For sure. Last one. Question number seven. Have you ever been told you look like someone famous? And if so, who? I don't think I have. I don't think I've ever been told I look like anyone. I, I don't know if that's good or bad, I guess. I was sitting in a restaurant once and I, I'm still a little flabbergasted by this, but the waitress was pretty convinced I was Brian Crandall, uh, the guy from Breaking Bad. And uh, <laughs> I, I probably really freaked her out when I told her I had to go out to my camper and check on something. <laughs> Winnebago in the parking yeah. lot. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that, that would be a good one. <laughs> well, thank you again so much, Travis. This has been great. Is there anything we haven't covered today that you'd like to share? Uh, no, I, I was actually just going to give you kudos. Um, you know, I think that the the fact that you're out here doing this, I think is great. I think that we've seen, you know, like everything else, we've seen an explosion in podcasts. And it's, it's great to get out there. Um, I'm great. I'm glad to hear that a lot of your viewers are younger. Um, I think that we, uh, as a construction industry, we've missed the boat when it comes to how we advertise ourselves to, to people coming in. Um, and that, that goes both from people that are um, career bound and from college um, to, to the trades. I, I think we've really done ourselves a disservice and not promoting ourselves better. So kudos to you guys for that. Oh, thank you. It's very kind. Well, and you also, um, and, you. and you're out there all the time and uh, doing a great job. And so kind of leads to my next question. Um, if folks wanted to get in touch with you, how can they most easily do that? The easiest way I think these days is is LinkedIn. Um, you can find me there, uh, Travis Voss on LinkedIn. Um, you can go to constructiondorks.com. You can find um, all the old episodes or you can find it on pretty much any podcast player. Um, and that's the way to, to connect up with us. Uh, hopefully we've got some, some good content that, that drags you in. Fantastic. Well, thank you again uh, for joining us to, today, Travis. We greatly appreciate and enjoyed the time with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you to our audience for tuning in to this episode of Construction Disruption with Travis Foss, leader of innovative technology at Helm Group. Um, please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We have more great guests on tap. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Um, until next time, change the world for someone, make them smile, and encourage them Two very powerful things that we can do to change the world. God bless. Take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption. Mm -hmm.